sir. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chris Meyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chris Meyer. Pope Francis picked to lead the one world religion. That's the headline. Pope Francis picked to lead the one world religion. The proposal came from former Israeli president and Nobel Peace Prize winner Shimon Peres as a private audience with Pope Francis back on September 4, 2014. Perez proposed the founding of a United Religions organization modeled after the United Nations to fight terrorism. Like the UN Charter, he added, there should be a United Religions Charter. Furthermore, he said that Pope Francis would be the best leader for the United Religions Organization. What, my friends, are the implications for that? Here, on the near edge of the Second Coming, even during this year, when the Pope himself decided it was time to actually set up. Yes, set up a One World Religion headquarters to open this year. To open this year. Do we have your attention yet? I hope so, and I welcome you to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. It's conversation as always with ever-increasing conviction. Talk that transforms. Today should be no exception. Hopefully we've gotten your attention because this has been something in the works, something in the making now for some period of time. Ruth Sheva, Israel National News, had a headline back about the same time, January 2nd, 2013, nine years ago, exclusive, a seat for the Pope at King David's tomb. A historic agreement had been drafted between Israel and the Vatican. The Israeli authorities had granted the Pope an official seat in the room where the Last Supper is believed to have taken place on Mount Zion in Jerusalem, where David and Solomon, Jewish kings of Judea, were buried. An enormous issue. According to sources, the agreement, which was expected to be ratified, immediately thereafter gave the Pope a special authority over that building. The Catholic Church has long wanted control over part of the area of Mount Zion. But why? The church has long been working to reduce Jewish rights in Jerusalem and the Old City. And now, after the Muslim Walk Authority expelled the Christians from the Temple Mount and turned it into a mosque, it's the turn of the Vatican to lay its hands on the Jewish Jerusalem. The custody of the Holy Land, the Franciscan Order, who, with Vatican approval, is in charge of the Holy Sites, campaigns with the Arabs against Israel. The Vatican is also asking that Israel hand over the Vatican's control of dozens of sites, over to the Vatican's control, dozens of sites, 19 in Judea and Samaria, 28 in Jerusalem, and the Catholic Church wanted to discuss properties of Mount, the Mount of Olives, which is the very history of the Jewish people. So if you want to keep Jerusalem united, you have to keep the Mount of Olives, and the Vatican knows that. The Vatican wants the Jews out of the old city, and apparently Israel's government is agreeing with them. A way of desecrating the holiness of the site known as the Tomb of David. 
The Vatican and the Palestinian Liberation Organization expressed a common position in the Basic Agreement of February 15, 2000. In that memorandum, signed by the Vatican officials and the PLO, the Catholic Church wanted Israel relinquishing sovereignty at the Western Wall and the Temple Mount. Sovereignty over Mount Zion is politics, not only religion. And the day after the Pope celebrated a Mass on Mount Zion in 2000, he went to Yasser Arafat's headquarters to support the Palestinians' right to return. That week, the Vatican, in its official documents, began referring to the state of Palestine to this date still doesn't exist. What's going on here? What does this mean? You say, well, that was back uh, nine years ago. Yes, but that was setting the stage for what's happening right now. Remember, we announced that a one-world religion headquarters is to open this year. It's being sponsored by Pope Francis, promoted by Pope Francis. The Catholic Muslim Interfaith Council, created by Pope Francis, announced new Chrislam headquarters opening in 2022 that combines a mosque and a church according to a signed covenant. The United Arab Emirates will build the new synagogue as a part of a Chrislam interfaith compound that will also house a mosque and a church and is reportedly set to open this year. What do these things mean to you, if anything? Then, in 2020, this came ascent to the summit. Two men met in the name of peace and declared themselves capable of declaring what is right and just for the entire world. The joint signing of the covenant is called the Document on Human Fraternity for World Peace and Living Together, signed by the Grand Imam of Al-Azhar Ahmad, the head of Sunni Islam, and the Roman Pope Francis for a one-world religion. The historic ceremony was held in front of religious leaders of other faiths. According to the Vatican Declaration, it's indeed a beautiful document. Mm. Beautiful in whose eyes? Beautiful in God's eyes? Uh, Maybe not. Maybe not, friends. Do you see what's about to take place? This year, the Pope has coordinated the institution of a joint place of worship, not on the Temple Mount, but in Dubai. One World Religion Headquarters to open 2022 called a Believer's Portal that combines a mosque and a church according to the signed covenant. How are we to comprehend these developments? A one-world religion headquarters to open in Abu Dhabi, Dhabi? The Pope gaining dominion over all of the 
Jewish and Christian sites in Jerusalem and the Temple Mount. Do these things not grab your attention? Do they not indicate that we are in a moment of time ushering in the final events, the final affairs to fulfill biblical prophecy, everything that has been called for by the ancient prophets, everything that has been called for by Jesus, by the Apostle Paul, the Apostle John, the Apostle Peter. It's all there. And why is it that the Pope has called for a new world order? Over and over and over again. Why is it that three successive popes have called for a new world order? Are we not heading to the rapid conclusion of the matter? Stay tuned, friends. You're listening to Viewpoint. And Viewpoint does determine destiny, including yours. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chrismar, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. What in God's name is Pope Francis planning to do to fix global capitalism with the help of the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, MasterCard, and the U.N.? All of these things together here on Viewpoint, even as Oliver Melnick, Olivier Melnick, declared the United Nations has declared a spiritual war against Israel. We're going to talk about that in the second half of the program, the United Nations spiritual war against Israel, because it's all part of the, dare we use the term, progressive advancement toward the fulfillment of biblical prophecy there at the Temple Mount. And should it come as a surprise, then, that the Lord prompted me to write a book called King of the Mountain. King of the Mountain. The epic, eternal, and end-time battle for he who rules the Temple Mount is deemed to rule the world. It's a $20 book, yours, on our website for $15. King of the Mountain. It's so gripped the mind and heart of one Jewish interviewer several years ago that after starting with a one-hour interview... He asked, can we do it a second hour because we barely scratched the surface? By the time we were through, we had done seven hours of interviewing concerning that book. It grabbed his attention. He could see the dynamics of what is taking place in the merger of world history and biblical prophecy surging inexorably toward the second coming of the final, ultimate fulfillment of biblical prophecy. I can almost guarantee you've never read anything like it. It'll grip your soul. And it prepares the way for the next book, Antichrist, How to Identify the Coming Imposter. That came next. 
And then finally, the one that is just being concluded, Messiah, unveiling the mystery of the ages. This is a like a sequence of historical and biblical prophecy coming together in a most amazing way. But the ultimate import is not on sensationalism. It's not on, do you happen to know what I know? Do you know what I heard? No. It's about, uh uh-oh, I know this now. I've heard this. Now what does it mean for me and my family? What does it mean for me and my congregation? What does it mean for me and those in the places that I contact, whether it be in the places where I work, the post office, the grocery store, the gas station, whatever it happens to be, even Costco? (laughs) Yes, this is the moment of time for our influence to be made manifest for the kingdom of God. Because the scripture says, In the words of Christ himself, behold, I come quickly. Behold, I come quickly. Now, quickly for the Lord, when a day of the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day, quickly means something a little bit different than it does for us, because we've seen this process in motion since 1948, since Israel became a nation. And that's well over 70 years ago. We've seen this process in motion since Israel, since Jerusalem was restored to Israeli jurisdiction in 1967. So history and prophecy are marching on inexorably toward an ultimate congruency or merger where they become one and the same in the eyes of God and the end will come. So if you want to be ready, if you want to understand what's really going on, the dynamics, it's not just a a matter of reading some interesting things about history or reading some interesting things about prophecy. It's a matter of presenting them in such a way that they implicitly require our response. That's what the Bible's about. It's not about information. It's about transformation, because God never commanded us to be informed, but rather to be transformed, right? That we might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And the, the, the leap from information to transformation requires serious application, and that's what's missing in most of the teaching in our churches today. And what application is being made is so superficial as to be relatively irrelevant. The Bible is so relevant, friends, that our pastors and teachers and most people really don't want to apply it in its full relevance because they're afraid of it. They just don't want to do that. But it's time that we do that because history is coming to a conclusion. When time and eternity merge in a congruency never to be distinguished again. So we're taking a look at this development that has been taking place now for some period of time as the Vatican, for instance, has sought 
to take dominion over the various sites in Jerusalem, including the Temple Mount, including the Mount of Olives. In other words, every place where Jesus was noted to have performed miracles or was noted was a significant place of his ministry and his final exit from the planet. The idea, that is, from the Mount of Olives. So the Pope wants dominion over that. Why is that? Because the papacy sees itself as the vicar of Christ or standing in the place of Christ. I want you to think about what the implications of that is. Jesus called God his father. But Roman Catholics are supposed to call the Pope their father. There is an effort to superimpose, or shall we say, uh, take hold of all of the titles that apply to God and apply them to the papacy. Therefore, the papacy in its history believes that it is to rule and reign over this world from Mount Zion, from Jerusalem. Therefore, within the Vatican records, it is well known that the ultimate goal for the Pope to rule and reign over the planet is not from Rome, but from Jerusalem. At the same time, two years ago, Pope uh, Francis urged world leaders to sign a global pact for the new humanism. That pact for the new humanism only made one reference to God. In other words, it wasn't about God at all. It was about uniting the world around not the spirit of Christ, but the spirit of man. That man himself were, was ultimately going to be his savior. That same year, or actually the next year, 2020, the Vatican said it would partner with Fortune 500 companies to address various economic grievances, including inequality and environmental degradation. Anyone entertaining hopes that planet Earth might escape the insanity of 2020 without any more mind-blowing stories may wish to fasten their seatbelts for a hard landing, wrote Robert Bridge. In the Russian Times... At a time when a global pandemic has swept away millions of jobs and transformed a handful of global capitalists from merely wealthy to fantastically wealthy overnight, Pope Francis has decided to take sides. With the immensely wealthy influential that acts like a government unto itself, instead of the poor and the destitute. So the Vatican announced it would form a historic partnership with big business known as the Council for Inclusive Capitalism. In other words, to join with the LGBTQ and so on motif, join it with 
capitalism and with major corporations to form a new humanism that was contrary to the word, will, and ways of God as expressed in the Scripture. Lady Lynn Forrester de Rothschild, founder of the Council and Managing Partner of Inclusive Capital Partners, said, This council will follow the warning from Pope Francis to listen to the cry of the earth, the cry of the earth. Oh, this is about Mother Earth, not Father God. In an apparent act of divine intervention, the Rothschild family, whose wealth was estimated at $20 billion, together with other famous brands, brand names of globalization, such as the Rockefellers and MasterCard, we're going to take up the standard for the world's downtrodden now. Known as the Guardians for Inclusive Capitalism, these 27 devout and morally outstanding individuals all hail from the Golden 1%, the Pope's 27 billionaire disciples. And they were going to carry out the will of the Holy See to prepare the way for a final one world order. Maybe, perhaps, some who are have been raised up in the Roman Catholic Church can now appreciate even the more so why a top-ranking Catholic cardinal says that COVID-19 was used to advance godless and murderous agenda to usher in the Great Reset, which is another a euphemism for the one world order. Two years ago, Archbishop Carlo Maria Vagano said the purpose of the Great Reset is the imposition of a health dictatorship hidden behind tempting promises of ensuring a universal income and canceling individual debt. In other words, so that you will own nothing and be happy about it. More recently, the same Archbishop, Carlo Maria Vagano, has come out and warned the world in no uncertain terms as to what he sees happening behind the scenes in the Vatican, and it ain't pretty. Another article from AP News, the Associated Press, Pope says market capitalism has failed and needs reform. It's about seducing to globalism and socialism. This came from Rome. Pope Francis says the coronavirus pandemic has proved that the magic theories of market capitalism have failed and that the world needs a new type of politics that promotes dialogue and solidarity and rejects war at all costs. So he laid out his vision for a post-COVID world by uniting the core elements of his social teachings into a new encyclical called Fratelli Tutti, Brothers All. Now, as we look at these developments, we see something so profound, not just profound, but virtually, you might even say hideous, that is developing 
even in the name of Christ. Even in the name of Christ. Who would have ever believed such a thing? But it's happening. Jesus said, many will come in my name and deceive many. My dear friends, all over the world, last month there were 130 listeners in 113 countries that listened to this program. My dear friends all over the world, I want you to take heed as to what's happening because it's time for you and for me, for those we love, for those we care for, for those that are within our spheres of influence to prepare the way of the Lord for history's final hour. People get ready. We'll be back in a moment. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. Saveus.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archive. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. The enemy of your soul and mine, and all on this planet, is in a full court press to destroy the very foundations of faith and family. He's doing that for the express purpose of preparing the way of the Antichrist. That way has to be prepared just as the way of the coming of the Lord has to be prepared. And so, that's exactly what's happening. Since the 1960s, when we began to see uh, the assault, uh, the sexual assault on the nation and the world, called the sexual revolution, we began to see a dramatic assault on the family, the family structure, on marriage, on children, and so on. Just today, I received a report from one representative uh, who is declaring that if we're really going to have equity in the country and in the world, we must relinquish all claim on our children and give the control of our children over to the state so that every child can be treated equitably, that is, equally and equitably. Do you understand what that's about? It's coming out of California. It's about removing a parent's authority and control and leadership and responsibility to disciple their children, to remove it from their care so that you 
rather than being the custodian of your children on behalf of God, become the custodian of the government's children on behalf of the government. That's right. It just came out today. But we know, whether it's coming from California, where no-fault divorce began in 1968 under President Ronald, under then-Governor Ronald Reagan, spread like rapid fire across this country like a wildfire, such that by the early 1970s, divorce had become normative in the church, and by the end of the 1970s, remarriage had become normative, even when Jesus called it adultery, to marry or remarry if your spouse is still living. We didn't care. We cast it all aside. We have been seduced, absolutely seduced, to agree with a counterfeit and anti-Christ proposition concerning the family. Should it be any wonder, then, that the next step is to take away our children? Should it be any wonder, then, that a court in Quebec, uh, Canada, decided to remove a child so that a father could no longer uh, have contact with the child because he was not fully vaccinated? This, by the way, was the general agenda of Hillary Rodham Clinton when she talked about it takes a village. In other words, the village was a nice, sweet, euphemistic representation for the government. The government should be taking care of your children because they're not your children. You're just raising them on behalf of the general culture, on behalf of the government that is going to have dominion over them. But the greatest problem was the divorce crisis. The rate of divorce in the United States, as you know, has approximated 50% for a very long time until 2020 when the COVID pandemic here hit and rates actually declined to the lowest level in 50 years. But they had declined somewhat because people were no longer getting married. They were just cohabiting as a reflection that the family had been attacked monstrously, even among professing Christians. And divorce is a tragedy for all or most of the children of divorce. An article came out in Israel National News, Arut uh, Sheva, just uh, at the end of last year, in December, and uh, talking about the divorce crisis in Israel. The divorce rates must be lower, they said, if society is going to succeed and flourish. This is true of the general population, and it is true of the Jewish population. It's estimated that the divorce rate among American Jews is 30%. 
In Israel, the divorce rate is 26 to 27 percent. Staggering statistics. Unacceptable. Among Orthodox Jews in America, the divorce rate is lower at 10 percent, but still much too high. Now, what's happened in America has actually paved the way for what is happening in Israel. So the enemy of our souls has attacked the family, has attacked our marriages, has attacked our children, and we see the echoing consequences of it at every level of our society. Every level. So what are we going to do about it? Within the broader body of Christ, there is no willingness to do anything about it. None. Because pastors are aware that the divorce rate has be- the divorce has become so normative in their congregations, even the so-called most evangelistic, the most evangelical, that the pastors really won't talk about it. And if they do, they'll just make a general or generic statement, and they will not apply it. Because they will they know that they're going to risk losing a major part of their congregation. So we're defining deviancy down. This is all part of preparing our families, your children, your grandchildren, your congregations, my dear pastor friends, over which you are responsible, we are responsible as pastors to have a holy boldness, no matter the consequence, no matter the cost, to have a holy boldness because we represent the people to God. But if the pastors will not represent the people to God with holy boldness and with truth and honesty, then God raises up a prophetic voice to be his voice representing God to the people. He will do what is necessary to get the message out, whether we hear it or whether we will not, whether we hear or whether we will forbear, for as God said to Ezekiel, my people are most rebellious. Now, at the same time, this report came out yesterday, The United Nations Spiritual War Against Israel. Olivier Melnick. I sent him an email after receiving this, and we're going to be chatting here shortly. The reality is that Israel is being cut off from being a nation in the context of the 190 or so nations in the world. Even Joe Biden is doing everything he can. Barack Hussein Obama was doing everything he could to sever Israel from the collection of nations. To stir up a war of animosity of the nations against Israel, which basically is an effort to stir up the animosity of the nations of the world against 
God who ordained Israel and chose Israel to be his representative in the earth, to pave the way, present the way, to pave the way for the coming of the Messiah. And so the scripture says that salvation is of the Jews. Yes, the Jews have rejected large measure. The Jews have rejected their own Messiah. I write about that in the book Messiah, unveiling the mystery of the ages, which hopefully will come out late next spring. It's going to be a profound book to be used in the life of Jewish people who are struggling with this issue. And many are. But while Israel has basically divorced herself from her Messiah, declaring they would rather have Caesar than Christ, the world is divorcing Israel from being part of the family of nations. And that is exactly what the prophet Balaam foretold in Numbers chapter, whatever it is, 21, I think it is, 22, somewhere in there. Remember, the king of Balaam tried to get, uh, uh, the king of Moab, rather, tried to get Balaam, the prophet, to come and curse Israel and bless Moab. And after five separate times of Balaam trying to pray, pray himself out from under the will of God so he could get the power, perks, and position that the king of Moab tried to offer him, finally God got his attention through the mouth of a donkey. Sometimes God has to speak through to us through some very strange sources, doesn't he? And that's how he got uh, Balaam's attention. He squashed his foot against the wall and then had a donkey preach to him. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like uh, people out there think that I'm a, a donkey uh, preaching to them. But in any event, God revealed to Balaam what the end result of Israel would be. When we get back from this break, I'm going to share it with you. It helps to understand why the headline, the United Nations Spiritual War Against Israel. The world divorcing Israel. We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Welcome back to Viewpoint, friends. Viewpoint. There are no neutral viewpoints in our world. All viewpoints have consequences. 
and determine destiny in one way or another. And our viewpoint concerning Israel is determinative of destiny. God said Israel was the apple of his eye, that he chose Israel. Therefore, we're supposed to align ourselves with God's word, will, and way. But you say that Israel has rejected uh, Yeshua as Messiah. Yes, and God will deal with them according to that. Just like in a family, if your sibling disobeys your parents, you're not the one that's supposed to correct them and bring discipline. That's the responsibility for the parent. Your responsibility is to obey in a righteous and holy way. Same situation. So, here we are with the United Nations carrying on a spiritual war against Israel, as clearly declared by Olivier Melnick uh, in this article in World Net Daily that came out yesterday. So, the prophet Balaam, there in the in numbers, I think it's like twenty one, twenty two, somewhere in there, finally got the message. And then he prophesied and said that Israel will not be reckoned among the nations. Are you aware of that passage? You should be. Because it helps to explain in an overview way, the dynamics of what are taking place with regard to the world and Israel. It also helps to explain the dynamics between what happens with a God-rejecting president like Obama and Biden, who have aligned themselves with every God-hating group out there, therefore aligning themselves contrary to the word, will, and ways of the Lord with regard to Israel. So, they're engaged with the other nations of the world in a collective spiritual war against Israel. Now, that spiritual war manifests itself in political and economic ways. But at the bottom line of it all, it's a spiritual war. And it's been growing over the years. In 2021, there were 14 resolutions that were passed in and by the UN against Israel. It only has a population of nine and a half million people, about seven and a half million of which are Jews. While five were passed against the rest of the whole world population, 7.9 billion people. And Israel represents only about 1% of the whole world population. That happened during the 76th session of the UN General Assembly for 2021-2022. You can see that the entire world is ganging up on Israel. In other words, the world is divorcing Israel. Declaring, you are not wanted, you are not one with us, we hate you, we're going to treat you just like Cain treated Abel, we have disdain for you, and we'll do everything that we can to cause your demise. And so, 
the United Nations joins with all the other nations, including those who are most hateful of Israel, dedicated to her destruction, and plays footsie with them. This is exactly what Balaam said was going to happen. We're dealing with this now right on the very cusp of the return of Christ. There's never been so much antagonism against one country in the entire history of mankind. One must wonder what the driving force behind all this is. From a human perspective, writes Melnick, it is impossible to comprehend such hatred against Israel and the Jewish people. And it's not until we look at this through a biblical lens that we understand that this is not a political battle. No, it's 100% a spiritual battle between Satan and Israel. Satan is jealous and power-hungry, and he hates what God loves. The United Nations has long departed from its original noble, seemingly noble cause of world peace back in 1945. The United Nations Charter implied that they were to unite all people in peace. Well, they may may in the process be being united, but mostly for the purpose of coming against Israel, the Jewish people, and against God. So just as the enemy of your soul, Satan himself, has orchestrated the world to divorce in our families, so he is orchestrating the entire world to divorce Israel, and in divorcing Israel, to divorce true, genuine, obedient followers of Jesus Christ. And that, my friends, is what we call persecution. Just as Israel is not to be reckoned among the nations, neither are true followers of Jesus Christ. No, because as Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. His disciples said this world is passing away in the lust thereof. Therefore, you and I are called for such a time as this to take seriously our preparation for the coming of the Lord. As the song coming out of the Civil War said, mine eyes have seen the coming of the Lord. He is passing out his judgment by his terrible, fateful sword. His truth is marching on. Have your eyes seen that yet? That song, by the way, is not just about the Civil War. It was about an eternal war. It was about a declaration of the coming of the Lord. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Have your eyes seen that yet? I hope they will soon. Don't be like the five foolish virgins, friends, that were not prepared. They had no oil in their lamps, and when it was time, they were not prepared. Only a small remnant will be prepared, and take this time seriously. 
I believe that this is one of the primary reasons why God called me to leave the practice of law at the height of my career to plead his cause in the land as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation of America's greatest crisis hour. Yes, we had to start right here at home. Among God's people here in America. I remember in California when we formed Save America Ministries and I was given the opportunity to speak to some of the uh, more serious uh, conservative political groups there in California that were composed of many professing Christians. And when I spoke to them concerning the seriousness of this time, they mocked. I'm not kidding you, they mocked. But we didn't want to hear that. We just wanted to hear political talk. But there was a remnant, a small remnant in each gathering, maybe anywhere from one to five people, that understood. Everywhere this message goes, there's a small remnant that will hear and respond. Because hearing with the ear is not sufficient. We have to hear with the heart. Because the heart of the matter is the heart. Charisma News, Stephen Strang, the founder of that, uh, did an interview of me uh, last fall concerning the book Antichrist, How to Identify the Coming Imposter. The interview was supposed to take about 15, 20 minutes, and by the time we were through, it was three hours. He was so gripped. He distilled that interview in an article that came out in charismanews.com back on December 25th called How Globalism, One World Government Are Preparing the Way for the Antichrist. You might want to go there charismanews.com and look it up. Look up my name, Charles Chrismeyer, C-R-I-S-M-I-E-R. Look up how globalism, one world government are preparing the way for the Antichrist and so on. It's a significant article. I don't have time to share the whole article with you here. But he says, not only does Chris Meyer believe the new world order is looming, but he also believes the church is playing a huge role in setting the stage for Antichrist. The problem is a combination of a lack of trust and disobedience, he says. In other words, it's a spirit of rebellion, and the enemy of our souls would play upon those two things, and that's what the Antichrist will do. He's going to gain the kingdom by flattery. Yes, well, that's what our politicians are doing, writes Chris Meyer. And that's what our pastors are largely doing, flattering the people, telling them what they want to hear. The Antichrist is going to come off as the greatest thing since sliced bread, says Chris Meyer. He's going to come in at a time when chaos is reigning supreme in the world. And there's one way of creating a vacuum so that the American people and people around the world will have their cultures canceled so that they will no longer have any level of patriotism or, shall we say, allegiance to their own country, to their own government, to their own people that are being prepared to enter into a whole new regime to unite the world in a one-world government using a one-world religion. 
And who did we suffer, by the way, who was inaugurated by the former president of Israel, Shimon Perez, to lead the one world religion? Pope Francis. Chris Meyer says that cancel culture represents yet one more way the new world order will gain control. By taking away your job, your money, your means of supporting yourself. That's affirmative canceling. But what they're really after is total intimidation. So that you will self-cancel. You will never again be able to speak the truth, even in love. Or it may be off with your head. So Stephen Strang writes, for much more information from Charles Crismer on how current events are working together to prepare the way for the end times, listen to his episode in the Strang Report. And I might also add, get a copy of Antichrist, How to Identify the Coming Imposter. Indeed, Antichrist is on the move. The rise of globalism and the one world government is preparing the way. It's big time, friends. In 1950, John Paul Warburg addressed Congress and declared, we will have world government whether you want it or not. We'll either have it by going, you going along with it or by force. So in 1990... Former President George H.W. Bush declared in a joint session of Congress, we are now entering the birth pangs of a new global world order. And throughout his presidency, he would repeat those chilling words 200 times. And here we are. Today, the first day of the rest of our lives. Today, if you will hear his voice, don't, don't harden your heart. Don't toughen up. Don't stiffen your neck. Let's all humble ourselves. Ask the Lord what we would have us to do to be prepared for history's final hour. Thanks for joining us. Become a partner, friend. Send your gifts by faith to Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Get a copy of the book, Seduction of the Saints, also King of the Mountain and Antichrist, Unveiling the Mystery, excuse me, uh, Identifying the soon coming imposter. God bless and be a blessing. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.